I'm not alone. You're with me every step. Seasons come and go. You never left. Open up my eyes to see who who made the sun, the moon, the stars is here with me. So that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about a God who is here with us. A God who wants to be in our presence. A God who has loved us from before the worlds began. And we're going to continue to look at John's Gospel, uh, chapter 1. We're just in the last portion. We're going to actually study, look at verses 35 to 51. And I really feel this morning that God wants you to be alerted and aware of his presence and of the power of his word. That's why our title this morning is God's Word and Presence, Power and Privilege. The privilege of actually being able to enjoy God's presence and listen to his word. And so we're going to read a few verses and we're just going to kind of work our way through this. And we're trusting the Holy Spirit to come and to speak into all of our hearts and to shine his light into the little areas in our hearts, the stuff that's going on in your life right now, that God would shine a word right into your situation and into your heart. So let's just read a few verses um, from John chapter 1. And we're going to start with verse 35, actually. Remember that we have been looking over these past weeks about how John, who wrote the Gospel of John, how he actually started off with the words, in the beginning was the Word, and how he called Jesus the Word, the eternal communicator, the one, the Son of God who came down to earth. And then over the last couple of weeks, we looked at how John the Baptist, how the moment that he found himself in the presence of Jesus, that he immediately recognised that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And he spoke those words. He said, look, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we saw last week in particular that at that point where John pointed to Jesus and where he, he spoke those words, that actually his words released two disciples who had been following him. His words released them and they stopped following John and they started to follow Jesus. And we saw last week that that's our role as well, that our job is not to have people following us, but we're meant to point people to Jesus because he's the one. He's the one who can meet your need, not any of us, but him and him alone. And so we're going to start off just looking at these verses. It says, the following day, John was again standing with his two disciples. This is just at that point where he spoke about Jesus being the Lamb of God. And as Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. And when John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. And Jesus looked around and saw them following and said, What do you want? And they replied, Rabbi or teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said, Come and see. He he, come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. And Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. So we're going to look at how these two disciples, now you've got to remember that this is John who's recording, his, he's an old man when he wrote this, a lot older whenever he wrote this gospel, and he's remembering that first day that he saw Jesus and immediately he recognised him to be Messiah and he left John the Baptist and he began to follow Jesus. And, and I'd love that you could get a look at Jesus. Remember, he's the son of God, he has left heaven, he's come down to earth, and he's presented himself as the Lamb of God, the final sacrifice for sin. And these two disciples are following him. And he looks round, and you can just imagine him looking over his shoulder, couldn't you? And he says, what do you want? What are you, what are you looking for? And, uh, and these guys, two of them, one we reckon was John who wrote the Gospel of John. And the other one we're told clearly was Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother. So these are the two disciples. And when Jesus asked them, what did you want? Did you notice that they didn't actually answer him? Instead of answering what they wanted, they said, where are you staying? And to me, it kind of hit me this week. It sounds like these two guys didn't really know what they wanted. 
But they knew that Jesus, they believed he was the Messiah. They had been pointed to him as the Lamb of God. And they just, they wanted him. And you know, the thing is that in our lives, sometimes we hardly know what we want either. Isn't that the truth? Sometimes we just know there's something not right. There's something we're not complete. There's something we're lacking. We need Jesus. And so when they, when they, when they told Jesus, where are you staying? Do you know what he said? He just simply said those words, come and see. And you know, those are the best words that we could tell anyone. Just come and see. Come and meet, come and meet the Lord. Come and meet Jesus. And, and those words reminded me of a, a psalm in the Old Testament, Psalm 34, where it says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. And so rather than trying to tell anybody how good Jesus is, maybe we just need to say, come on and just come and see what he's like. Come and try for yourself. Come and experience what he's like. And so these two disciples followed Jesus. And did you notice that one of them was Andrew? It tells us that in verse 40. It says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what Jesus said and followed Jesus. Now, Andrew's one of these guys who, throughout uh, you know, the, the time that he was with Jesus, we don't actually hear an awful lot about him. He doesn't, he doesn't actually feature an awful lot. He's kind of one of those guys that's known as Simon Peter's brother. Did you ever kind of know that? I, I find a lot of the time people say, oh, she's Brenton Jones' sister, or she's Ian Jones' sister, or whatever. But sometimes you sort of think, how come they just know me as his sister? You ever feel that? You know, uh, but that's, that's what it was like for Andrew. He always seemed to be in the background. Now, here's the thing. I was kind of thinking, what did I write about Andrew? And then yesterday, my reading yesterday out of this wee daily reading book, was about Andrew. So I'm going to read it to you because it just struck me, wow, yesterday I'm studying this and here's what it says about Andrew. The first person that Andrew brought to Jesus was his brother, Peter. As soon as Peter joined the disciples, he became the spokesperson for the twelve, while Andrew remained in the background. It was Peter, not Andrew, who rose to prominence as one of Jesus' inner circle of the three. We do not read of Andrew resenting Peter, it seems he was satisfied to bring others to Jesus and leave the results to him. It is not surprising that Andrew found the boy with the loaves and fishes and brought him to Jesus. You can read that in John chapter 6. Andrew also brought Greeks to Jesus, even though they were despised by the pious Jews. You read about that in John 12. There is no record of Andrew ever preaching a sermon, performing a miracle, or writing a book of scripture, he is remembered for those who, whom he brought to Jesus. Andrew is a good role model for us. Our job is not to transform people into Christians, nor to convict them of their sin. It's not our responsibility to make people do what they ought to do. Our task is to bring them to Jesus, and he will perform his divine work in their lives. I just thought, wow, is that not what it's all about. Andrew, what a role model. You know, that we can just be, that's, it's simple, isn't it? Just to say, come on and see what he's like. And, and, and that's all that Andrew did. And yet, look at the amazing impact that he had on lives around him, and in particular, in the life of his brother, Peter. I wrote in your notes, you might be a quiet person like Andrew, but you too can have a tremendous impact on other people's lives whenever you spend time with Jesus. When we spend time with Jesus, we are pumped up and full of the Holy Spirit. And you know, it just flows out. And we can witness to those around us. And people see the Christ in you. You need to know that the people can see the Christ in you. You keep your eyes on Jesus and you will find that others will see the Jesus in you. And so he brought his brother Simon to Jesus. And I want to read on here to what actually happened because... Uh, Jesus had an encounter now with Simon. The thing that hit me this week was the individual way that Jesus had these encounters with individuals. You know, some of them he just needed to say, what are you looking for? And we're going to see others he just said, come on, follow me. Jesus knows how to get your attention. He knows what you need to hear today. He knows the words that you need to hear. And so let's just read on and see what happened next. 
When Andrew brought Simon, this is verse 42, to meet Jesus, looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter, which means a stone. What I tell you, this, isn't it amazing, he had, he had just spoken so little to these other guys, just enough was follow me, enough was just come and see. And here he is with Peter, and immediately he's given Peter a word. You might be here this morning, and maybe you need to hear a word from God. Maybe you need something personal to meet your need. And it seems that Jesus, as he looked at Peter, he knew exactly what to say to him. And he said, I'm going to change your name. No longer are you going to be Simon. Now you're going to be called Cephas or Peter, which means a stone. He was saying, there's something I want to do in your heart that's going to make you solid. That's going to make you part of my church. And you know, Peter never forgot that. Because uh, as an older man, when he wrote his letters, his epistles, he wrote about Jesus being the chief cornerstone and how all the rest of us are living stones. And that's a picture of the church. Because we are all, when we trust Jesus as our saviour, we become living stones. And it's like, if you can imagine the temple that was in Jerusalem, there was a huge cornerstone in the building, but all the rest were stones that made the complete building. And Simon Peter never forgot that lesson. He never forgot the, word, the first words that Jesus spoke to him. And you know, this morning, I believe God could speak a word to you that you'd never forget. Wouldn't that be amazing? I couldn't do that. But the Holy Spirit could speak through my mouth and speak something that you'll never forget and could change your life forever. And that's what happened with Simon Peter that day. God spoke to him. Jesus spoke a word to him that changed his life. Then it goes on to say, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. And he found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. And Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person that Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. I just love this. I love this because... uh, because Jesus goes to find Philip. You know, I'd love you to catch the simplicity of this. This is John's first record of Jesus being starting his earthly ministry, the, the one that came down from heaven. And these are the first encounters that John has recorded that he remembers when Jesus met these different men, met John himself, and with John met Andrew. Then found um, Simon Peter whenever Andrew brought Simon Peter to him, that encounter and now it says that Jesus uh, found Philip I wonder today is there somebody that Jesus wants to find I wonder if there's somebody in here and you've never yet found the saviour of the world that you know all about Jesus you know all about religion but you've never actually had a personal encounter you've never realised that he is a shepherd that's looking for you He's a shepherd that goes after the sheep. He's the one who is looking to find you. Because the Bible tells us that we are lost until we find Jesus, until he finds us. And when we find Jesus and we know that he has found us, something happens that changes our life that we will never, ever be the same again. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus as your own saviour, I want to tell you, you're missing out on a relationship. You're, 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 you've lost something you need to find Jesus and he wants to find you and he is after you right now it says Jesus found Philip Philip came from a place called Bethsaida which was quite close to the Sea of Galilee we pass it there's no, no, um, no um, nothing left of Bethsaida nowadays you know roughly where it is but that's the town that all of these guys came from that that uh, that Andrew and Simon Peter came from as well. And it seems that, that Philip was just, when he saw Jesus, he was just, he was one over immediately. Isn't it amazing how people, some people, just hear about Jesus and just want, want to know him, want to get saved, want to be found immediately. 
Isn't that amazing? And other people goes on and on and on and on, year after year, and they just never seem to get it or want to get it. And I believe this morning, I, I believe there are people here this morning and you're ready. And you know what? Jesus is ready to find you. And he wants to do something in your life that will transform your life. You know, the very first time I ever realised that I didn't have Jesus as my own saviour, as a little girl of eight, the very first time I realised I, I, I wanted him. And I received him that night. The very first night that I realised that I didn't have him, that I knew all about him, but I didn't know him. And I needed to know him as my saviour. That night I asked Jesus to be mine. And it's a simple thing, but it changes your life. And so we see that, that Philip was so easily convinced. And he just immediately said, this is the one. This is the one that Moses has been writing about. And the prophets have been writing about. This is the Messiah. This is the one that God promised would come to save the world. So Philip was easily convinced. But then it says he went and he found his friend. A friend called Nathaniel. Now, Nathaniel was obviously a man who uh, knew his Bible because he knew that the prophets had, had prophesied, had long, hundreds of years before, had said that, that the Messiah would come from Bethlehem. So whenever Philip says, come on, we'll find the Messiah, he's from Nazareth, he immediately says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Not at all. I know the scriptures. I know that he's meant to come from Bethlehem. And so uh, he was a little bit harder to convince than, than Philip was. But, you know, sometimes you meet people like that, don't you, where they're a bit sceptical, and that's okay. And Philip didn't get all in the big knot about it, or he didn't get, you know, all, uh, you know, all hot and bothered. He just said, well, come on. He used the same words that Jesus used. He said, come and see. Come, come and, and taste and see what, what this is like. And so, uh, sure enough, Nathaniel goes to meet Jesus. Now, I want to read this to you because this is the main part of what we want to speak about today. So it says that uh, in verse, uh, verse 47, as they approached Jesus, he said, he said, this is what he spoke to Nathaniel, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Now, in your Bible, it might say, Here's a man without guile. Anybody got that in your Bible? Put your hand up if that's what it says. Yes, a lot of you might have that. Or um, you might have another translation might say, here's a man who has no deceit. And, uh, and so there's a reason why Jesus said that, because it seems that... Let me read on and then I'll come back and explain. Uh, Jesus said, here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity, or without deceit, now, how do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. And Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. Then he said, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down and the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Now, I want to get back to the beginning of this because this is so beautiful. Jesus knows that Nathaniel is a bit sceptical. And so as soon as he sees him, he, he speaks a word over him. He says, ah, here's a man in whom there's no deceit. Now, another translation, a kind of a Jewish translation says, here's a man on whom there is no Jacob. The word deceit or guile was the word that was spoken over Jacob's life in the Old Testament. Because if you know the Old Testament, know the, old, know the Bible stories, you'll know that Jacob was a bit of a deceitful character. He was a, he was a, a crafty, he was a slippery one, we would say. And he, he was a deceitful person. And if you remember the story, he had stolen his brother's birthright. You remember the story of, of Jacob. And so... Uh, immediately uh, when Jesus said here's a man who is no guile it seems that Nathaniel had been studying and thinking about Jacob and he had actually been standing under a fig tree which according to uh, John Colston who is a commentary he says that in those days that lots of students of scripture would have meditated under a fig tree because the fig tree was the emblem of Israel and so it seems that Nathaniel had been under this fig tree and he, being a student of the Old Testament, had been studying and meditating on that particular story about Jacob. So as soon as Jesus said, ah, oh, here's a man in whom there's no deceit, 
He's immediately thinking, he's reading, reading my mind. I've just been thinking about Jacob, the deceitful one. And so immediately the Lord has got his attention. You know, it's amazing how uh, so often whenever people are sitting in a meeting like this, it's amazing how people up at the front here don't even realise it, but they're saying something that resonates with your mind in a way that only the Holy Spirit could. And that's what awakens people. That's what awakens you, isn't it? Whenever you know, she couldn't have known that about me. But you see, Jesus knows everything about you. And he wants to find you today. And if you know and love him as your saviour, he has things to give you and he has things to say to you. And he wants you to know that he understands everything that's going on in your life. Nathaniel had just been under the fig tree and he had just made his way to Jesus. And immediately Jesus homed in and let him know that he knew who he was. And the thing was that, that Nathaniel, it caught his attention and he said, how did you know? How did you, how did you know me? And Jesus says, before you were even under the fig tree, I knew you. Jesus knows everything about you, every little detail of your life. He knows all that has happened to you. He knows your childhood. He knew you in the womb. He has been with you. He has seen you as a a little baby in the pram. He has watched you. He has watched you grow. He has watched your life from afar. Last week... I was in the car one day and I was listening to the radio, uh, World News. I like listening to the World News and there's very interesting things come on that particular programme. And one of the things that came up was how that whales can get entangled and they can die. And it can happen when they're on their own, but it can also happen when there's a whole lot of them together. And they call it entanglement. And uh, even though whales can jump, you know the whales can jump out of the water, they, they kind of can't get out of this and it's very dangerous and they can die. And it was saying that they've actually discovered now that they've got such technology that from space, they can actually see whales from space now and they're planning that they'll be able to use space to alert humans as to where whales are in difficulty so they can go and help them to get untangled. And it really struck me that, uh, yeah, that's, that's technology, but we have a God who sees us from afar. As a God who's close up, but he sees us from afar as well. And he knows every entanglement that you get into in your life. And I would guess today that there's many of you, if you were to describe the way your life has turned, that entanglement is probably a very good description. I know it describes certain times in my life very very accurately and it's only God the one who sees the one who sits on the circle of the earth the one who made the the moon and the stars he sees you and he sees that entanglement that you're in and he wants to set you free you know I was thinking about how Sammy Akin says by my God I can jump over a wall God can jump you over any particular situation that you're in the whales can't jump out themselves they need help And some things you're entangled up in, you need help. And God can help you and he can get you up out of it and take you over that wall that you think so daunting, that that situation that you think so impossible. God can do what might be impossible to you because nothing is impossible to him. And so Jesus is home again. Now he's speaking to Nathaniel and I want to really continue looking at this. He's caught his attention and now all of a sudden Nathaniel realises, hey, he saw me when I was under the fig tree. And, and he's beginning to think, and, he re- and, and, and Jesus knew what I was thinking, that I was thinking about the story about Jacob. And he's beginning to think, what's this all about? And as soon as Jesus says to him, before you were under the fig tree, I saw you, something has been released by the word of God. When Jesus speaks a word to you, it can release you, it can it can detangle you or untangle you. It can release you into truth. And it seems that something, the unbelief that was in Nathaniel's heart, the unbelief, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus speaks a few words. He gives him a word of knowledge. It's what we call a word of knowledge, a word that only God can give. And he speaks this word of knowledge into Nathaniel's life and immediately Nathaniel finds God. Immediately he recognises that this is Jesus, that this is the Son of God. 
I wrote in your in your um, in your notes the word of knowledge that Jesus spoke to Nathaniel unlocked something in Nathaniel because he re- he he spoke to, immediately he replied to Jesus teacher or rabbi you are the son of God you are the king of Israel you know <clears throat> I would long for more of the gifts of the spirit to be able to speak words words of wisdom words of knowledge words of life into your heart when you come here and i'm praying right now that as i continue in this that something might be said that will be a word of knowledge to you that you will know that god knows about you that you will realize that through what's being said here that that god is speaking to you that's my desire for you today and so immediately uh, nathaniel uh, was was captured by Jesus and immediately bowed the knee to him as as the one who was uh, God in flesh. Then Jesus goes on to say, Before I saw you under the fig tree, you believe. You shall see greater things than this. I assure you and tell you all, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now he's referring to this story that Nathaniel was, had been meditating on. And I want to remind you of this story. We're not going to read it, but I, I do want to remind you of it. Nathaniel had been under the fig tree and he had been meditating on this story of Jacob. And the story was that Jacob was on the run. He had deceived his, his old father, who was blind. He had stolen the birthright of his brother Esau. And things had got so hot at home that he, was going, he had to leave. And he had to run, and run away up to family in another part of the, of the country. And as he was running through the wilderness, he, it came night time. And he had to lie down and go to sleep. And obviously, uh, on the run, ha- after uh, leaving his family and knowing that he might never see his family again, and after deceiving his family, he probably felt very much alone, a young man out in the wilderness, and alone and probably um, feeling miserable. Uh, the point is that even though he had done so much wrong, God still loved him. God still loved him. Do you know, even though you've messed up time and time and time again, that he still loves you? I have proved that because I have messed up time and time again. You know, his love is always there. It's a bottomless pit of love. He's a God who forgives and forgives and forgives. A God who's full of grace and mercy and loving kindness. And so Jacob lay down to sleep in the wilderness. He put a big stone on his head and lay down. He must have been feeling very, very tired when he slept with a stone as a pillow. And he had this dream. And in the dream, he saw a ladder, and the ladder, the bottom of the ladder was on the ground, and the top of it went right up into heaven. And it said in the dream, he saw angels coming up and down, ascending and descending on this ladder. And the, the, the point of this, I'm going to read just what I've, what I've written here. Jacob was probably feeling miserable and all alone, and yet God still loved him despite all his deceitfulness. So when Jacob, exhausted from his travels, fell asleep on a pillow of stone, God comforted him with a dream in which he saw a ladder set up on earth and reaching all the way to heaven with the angels of God ascending and descending on it. Heaven had come to earth in this dream. There was a bridge, a stairway between the two. Seems like God wanted Jacob to realise he was not alone. There was traffic between heaven and earth. God was with him. And when he awoke, Jacob realised the place where he had been sleeping was actually the house of God and the gate of heaven. The sad thing was, before the dream, Jacob had had been totally unaware that God was there. Nathaniel also hadn't realised that God had seen him and was with him under the tree. And here's the question. Have you realised that God sees you and is with you everywhere you go? You are not alone. Heaven has come to earth. And when Jesus spoke about this and he went on to say, I assure you and tell you and tell you all that you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. 
the implication was very, very clear. Jesus was saying, I'm the son of man. I'm the ladder to heaven. When I went to Sunday school as a little girl, we used to sing a wee song. I wonder if anybody remember. There's a ladder to heaven for me. There's a ladder to heaven for me. It's Jesus, my saviour, who died on the tree. He's the ladder to heaven for me. I could weep when I said that because you know what? Heaven did come down. Jesus left heaven and he came to this earth to be the ladder that you and I could make our way up into heaven, to connect earth to heaven. What an amazing truth. What an amazing thing that we could that we can actually be in contact with heaven, that we can have this bridge, this stairway to heaven. No wonder Hebrews 13 says that we can boldly say that Jesus will never leave you nor forsake you. You need to know that, that God wants you to, he wants you to know he wants to be with you. He is with you at all times. He sees you and he has made this, this uh, ladder for you. He himself is the ladder. You see, God had a purpose for all of these men. All of these men who followed Jesus, there was purpose for them. They were all going to become his disciples. And I need to tell you today that God has a purpose for you. And he's calling for you to be his disciple today. He wants you to follow him. And he wants you to know that he has plans and purposes for you. And here's the thing. That, that these men that have decided to follow Jesus, that every one of them are going to be able to hear his word and experience his presence during the time that Jesus was going to be on earth. I mean, that must have been amazing, that they would hear the words of Jesus every day, that they would hear... John, who wrote the gospel, said that Jesus was not only the word of God, but he was life and light. And you see, the words that Jesus speak fill us with light and fill us with love and fill us with life. And God wants you to know that he has a purpose for you today. That your life has purpose. And he wants you to know that you can enjoy his presence. The disciples enjoyed his presence for the years that they were with him on earth. But when he went back to heaven, he said that he was going away and it was better that he would go because the Holy Spirit was going to come and dwell in us so that we could have his presence everywhere we would go. That we would experience the presence of God. That we would be able to hear God's word everywhere we would go, that our lives could be filled with the word of God and with the presence of God. And that's the miracle that we need to understand. The amazing truth is that Jesus is God. He's the one who left heaven to come down to earth, to draw earth to heaven and heaven to earth. He's a God who has linked us to himself. And here's the thing, and I'm just reading this straight out of these notes. How tragic when you and I fail to hear God's word and are unaware of God's presence and his kingdom purpose for our lives. What is God's kingdom purpose? It's to, it's to, it's to come into agreement with Jesus himself when he said, this is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. That's why Jesus left heaven to come to earth. That's why he went to the cross so that you and I could experience what it means to live in the kingdom where he is the king of this world. And whilst we look at the world right now and we see everything being shaken and we see everything seeming to go falling apart and seeming to be a little bit crazy and we look around us at the darkness we need to know that Jesus is still the king the king of the world we need to know he is the, he's the, the one who is going to bring his kingdom to this earth and he's already come down and he's already brought heaven to earth and he tells us as his followers that, that we, we need to come into agreement with him and we need to pray with him your kingdom come we need to pray that we bring down all that heaven stands for, all the love and the joy and the peace and the goodness that is in heaven. We pull it down to earth and it will only come to pass when more and more people acknowledge Jesus as saviour and king and make him the king of our lives 
and eventually he is going to, in his own time, in his own plan, in his own way, just as he came the first time, right on cue, he will come the second time, right on cue. It could be any of these days, and he's going to set up his kingdom, and this world is going to bow the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What an amazing thing that we can be drawn into his presence, that we can have this amazing privilege of hearing his word and enjoying his word. You know, as I thought about his word, uh, just through the night actually, was thinking about God's word on the very front page of your notes. I put down a couple of references to Psalm 19 where it talks about God's word and about how God's word is perfect and it's so precious. It says in Psalm 19 that uh, it brings joy to the heart that the commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. The, the laws of the, of the Lord are true and they're more to be desired than gold, even the finest gold, and they are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. This is what God's word is like. It's so beautiful, it's so precious. And God's word is available to us. We can live with his word and we can live in his presence. And Psalm uh, Psalm 16 says that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And we have this amazing privilege that we can, we can experience what it is to be guided through life. Psalm 119 says that God's word is a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. That we can experience his word guiding us and directing us as we go through life. That, that the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And God can speak to you through his word in whatever situation you're in. And he can give you light and wisdom. He can tell you how to live your life. He can tell you the next step. He can show you how to get out of that tangle that you're in. God is a God who speaks. He's a God who communicates. And Jesus came and came down as a ladder to heaven that you would have that means of of being linked with heaven and calling down heaven to earth. So here's the thing. I just saw this quote from F.B. Mayer. There's an open way between heaven and earth for each of us. The movement of the tide and the circulation of the blood are not more regular than the intercommunication between heaven and earth. We need to realise that there's a constant There's a constant flow between heaven and earth because Jesus came down, paid the price for our sin and there are angels ascending and descending constantly and we need to know that God is here on earth with us. Jacob may have thought that God was local. Now he found him to be omnipresent. Now listen to this. Every lonely spot was God's house filled with angels. You know, we go about our daily business. Do we realise that there are angels all around? Do we realise that? We can't see them, but there are angels. I think it's Zechariah's book, the very beginning, (coughs) shows us a picture of the angels. And it's actually a picture of the angels patrolling the earth. That there are angels patrolling this earth. That there are angels who are interested. And I've written in your notes here, when we have God's word, as well as his presence, we have all we need to see God's kingdom come. Even in difficult trials. What an amazing privilege we have. Let me just read to you First uh, Peter 1. And I'm going to read a few verses from verse 6. I really feel this is a very important um, verse for us to grasp as we kind of wind up today. Because I believe that God wants to speak a very, very uh, specific a word to us today as we get ready to close. First Peter 1, verse, starting at verse 6. Here's what it says. Be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. Do you know whenever difficult times come and we continue to trust God and we we just don't listen to the lies of the enemy and we continue to say, do you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this and I'm going to believe what you say and not what the enemy says. Do you know that that is like gold, better than gold to God? That our faith is far more precious to God than mere gold? 
So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honour on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Jesus Christ is going to be revealed to the whole world eventually, but at the right time. I don't think it's too far away. Then it says in verse uh, verse 8, You love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him, and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting Jesus will be the salvation of your souls. This salvation was something that even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. So way back in the Old Testament, whenever the prophets and the Holy Spirit was given prophets uh, words that they were to write down, prophetic words, they were astounded. They were, they, they were couldn't understand what was God, what was this all about? They were just speaking as God directed them. And so they were interested to know what this was all about because it wasn't for their time, it was for our time. They were pointing forward to the time that Jesus would leave heaven and come down to earth and be that ladder to heaven that we're talking about. Then it says, they wondered what time or situation the Spirit of Christ within them was talking about when he told them in advance about Christ's suffering and his great glory afterwards. So the the prophets apparently were writing down what the Holy Spirit told them, but they were saying, what's this all about? When is this going to happen? When is Christ going to suffer? What's this all about? They were given the details, even the very details as to where Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. They, They were writing this hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. They were told that their message was not for themselves, but for you. It's for our generation. It's for now. And now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful. Now here's the bit. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Can you see these angels? At this moment, they're going up and down this ladder. And they're going on, they're scratching their heads and they're saying, how come God loved these human beings so much? What is so special about those guys? And they're taking a look at us and they're thinking, what is he seeing her? Why does God love that one so much? But it's the truth. Listen, the story of Jesus leaving heaven, it's mind-boggling to the unseen world. The angels look at us and they can't understand how God loved us so much. When they saw, when they saw God making man in the garden and breathing life into him, they were standing in amazement and saying, what, what are they doing? What's, what's God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit doing now? What's going on here? They can't, they can't get over the way that God made us in his image to be his children and the love that God has for you and the love that God has for me. So it goes on to say here, so prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Look, he has made you like himself. He has made you in his own image and he has made you for purpose. He has made you. He has made you to look like himself. And yes, we sinned in the garden and we were all like broken and marred. But Jesus came back so that he could redeem us, buy us back and make us whole again and actually come and live in us and actually change us moment by moment that we would know what it's like to live a holy life. Now we're still sinful beings, we've got an old sinful nature, but it's possible for us to live with the power of the Holy Spirit and actually to be changed. And it's possible for you and I to know what it means to be holy. You know, holy isn't being, you know the way we think of it as being like a goody-goody. That's not what holiness is. Holiness means that we're filled with the goodness of God. Holiness means that we are like Jesus. Jesus was holy and spotless and undefiled. And do you know what? Jesus was the happiest man who ever lived. The Bible says that he was the only one who was ever anointed with the oil of joy or the oil of gladness. 
He, he knew what joy was because he was pure and holy. And the more that you allow Jesus to change you to be like him and to be more and more holy, it means you have more and more capacity to be filled with joy. But I'll tell you, you won't hear that from the world and you won't hear that from the enemy because he'll tell you to be goody, goody, two shoes. It's going to be to make you miserable. That is the biggest lie that there ever was. The more you allow Jesus to have his way in your life, the more you say yes to him and do things his way instead of your own way, the more joy you'll be capable of holding and the more joy that you will experience. Here's the thing. What an amazing privilege we have. No wonder the angels are curious as to why God has gone to such lengths for us to be part of his big plan for the universe. And then as a final little I just want to say this God has arranged for his angels to help us in our mission to see God's kingdom come do you know that Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that the angels are here to minister to us because we are heirs of salvation we are actually heirs of Christ we are joint heirs with Christ and the angels their job is to actually minister to us now what, what do you make of that? That the angels are all around and they're interested and they can help you. And just as we finish, I wanted to read a story. It's, it's a true story that Billy Graham uh, referred to quite often. And he wrote in his book uh, called Angels, he wrote this story and I want to read it to you. It's about one night, about a hundred years ago, a Scottish missionary couple, uh, the guy's name was John G. Patton. And they were missionaries, old-fashioned ministries about a, a, a missionaries about a hundred years ago. They were in the New Hebrides. Here's the story: One night, alone out in the bush, they were surrounded by the natives who were a cannibal tribe, and the cannibal tribe was intent on breaking into their home and taking their lives. On that terror-filled night, the couple fell to their knees and prayed that God would protect them. It was a horrible time, intermittent with their prayers. The missionaries heard the cries of the, of the natives outside and imagined them coming through the doors to take their lives. As the sun began to rise to their astonishment, they found that the natives were, were retreating into the forest. The missionaries were absolutely amazed and filled with joy. Their hearts soared to God. It was a day of rejoicing. The couple bravely, the couple bravely continued their work. A year later, the chieftain of the tribe was saved. As the missionary spoke with him, he remembered the horror of that night and he asked the chieftain why he and his men had not killed them. The chieftain replied in surprise, Who were all those men who were with you? The missionary answered, There were no men with us. It was just my wife and myself. The chieftain began to argue with him, saying, there were hundreds of tall men in shining garments with drawn swords circling about your house. So we could not attack you. You see, there are things, unseen things that we will never know. There are so many stories like this. Another one just in this, in this book that I just feel I will just share with you very, very short. And this is one where it says, One evening, uh, this respectable Southern Californian pastor's wife was driving down the Santa Ana freeway, which is always busy. As she drove down that freeway, somehow the, the car door opened and her four-year-old child tumbled out onto the freeway amidst the high-speed traffic. With her heart pounding and with horrible expectations, she pulled her car to a screeching stop and ran frantically back along the freeway. But she didn't expect to see what she saw. Her child was sitting up in the fast lane of the freeway amidst the glare of headlights his only injuries, a few abrasions. The first words that came out of the child's mouth were, Mommy, Mommy, I saw Jesus put up his hand and stop the car. Listen, we need to know that we have a God who can meet us at the most unexpected moments, in the most unexpected supernatural ways, that he is not bound to earth. He's not bound to the way that we look at life. He's not, he's not bound to your comprehension as to how, what your situation is and what's going to happen in your life. Right now, you might feel, this is too big for me. I'm in a mess. I'm in a tangle. I want you to know that God sees you. He sees you from afar but he sees you up close and personal because he's a God who is right here with you. And he loves you today and he wants you to know that whatever trials or difficulties you're going through, that he's calling you to follow him, 
And he's saying, come on, let's do this together. Before that thing ever happened to you, I saw you. I saw you in your mother's womb. I know everything about you. I know how you got into that mess and I know the road out of it. And come on, come to me. And if you don't know Jesus as your saviour today, I'm saying, please, come up here. Come up here and let us tell you just how to simply invite him into your heart by faith. Just, just say, Lord, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died for me. Please come into my heart and be my saviour. It's as simple as that. Lord, I just pray this, this morning that you would speak right now by your spirit. I pray, Lord, that you would minister into those deep places. God, I thank you that you are the one who ministers to us as individuals, that you meet us as individuals and you invite us to follow you, that you meet us where we are and you give us what we need. Lord, thank you for these simple experiences that we have we've talked about this morning, Lord, where these disciples just found you and followed you and, Lord, how their lives were never the same again. Lord, help us to know that you're here right now and that you want to speak deeply into all our lives and Lord, I pray this morning that there would be miracles done for the kingdom, that there would be lives changed. And Lord, I just pray right now as we sing this song that we would remember that you're the God who loves us. You're the one who came from heaven to earth. You're the ladder to heaven for all of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you gave yourself to be the one who would die for our sin and rise again from the dead and that you're alive today in heaven. Alive, Lord, alive with resurrection life. And God, that's the life that you offer to us today. Thank you, Jesus, for your love and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing this song together. I'd really love us to stand and sing it. Um, I got this sent to me this morning by someone. I don't know if it's here or not, but it really struck me this morning. It just blessed me, and I just thought we have to sing this song. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the darkness your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Amen. Let's just stand and sing this song. Hallelujah. Praise the one who set me free. Hallelujah. Death has lost its grip on me. You have broken every chain. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. My prayer is that for all of us that we can say this and mean it and know it. What a saviour. What a saviour Jesus Christ is. He is the wonderful word of God who came from heaven. The one who wants to communicate with you this morning. The one who wants you to know that when he is with you, who can be against you? And this morning we just invite you to come. Those of you who want prayer, we have a team here. We would love to pray for you. And if you don't know Jesus as saviour, please make this the day where you experience what it is to know him and to start to follow him. It will change your life. You will be a different person and you will know Jesus in reality as your saviour. So we just love you and we thank you for coming. Please remember there is no eagles next week. And please, if you see anybody who sometimes comes to eagles, would you pass that on? We don't want people to come and nothing here. So there'll be no one here next week, but we hope to see you the following week. God bless. <laughs>